Few weeks. This is how we've defined holiness. As uh, let's say we had a bucket of marbles right over here, and we take uh, one of those marbles out of the bucket, and we put it in the empty bucket over here. We have made that marble holy. We have simply set it apart. We've set it apart, and we started off this uh, kind of series talking about uh, if uh, someone was to describe themselves, if you were to describe yourself, uh, what words would you use to describe yourself? Would you use the word holy? Would you use the word holy? to describe uh, yourself. And we kind of wrestled around with that until we realized that uh, God is the one who establishes things as holy. And so if you're a Christian, God has made you holy. He has set you apart unto his uh, kingdom. And then if you were here uh, last week, we talked about temptation. There is this word that uh, kind of tugs and pulls. If there were, we're ever going to uh, be distracted away from uh, being holy, it's the word temptation. Here's how we kind of define uh, temptation. Uh, the, some characteristics of it. We said uh, there's always a warning. Uh, God, he says, hey, you're going to be tempted. So it's not a surprise. Uh, there's no sin that's unique to you. You don't get to kind of have a little pity party and say, why am I the only one that ever has ever had to deal with this? You're not. People have gone through these things uh, since the beginning of time. Uh, God will not abandon you. There is a way out. It does not come from God. Temptation does not come from God. Temptation does not come from God. It taps into your desires. It drags you from God. It entices you. It has a goal, and the enemy has a goal to drag you away from what God wants from you. We're going to continue to talk about holiness uh, this morning. Here's some junk that I have. I want to put a picture up here, and here's one of them. It's right here. You see this watch? This watch, I own this watch. I bet you're impressed, right? And, uh, and so I, I haven't worn the thing for years and years. It kind of lives in this, uh, uh, in the drawer in, you know, by my bed there. And, and, uh, but it does make a great illustration. It's a good looking watch. It, it's still shiny. The, the, the crystal on it's never been scratched and it's still, the band's good, you know, nothing wrong with that. It's, it's a, it's a nice watch. It's a really, a really nice watch. I, I own that. And uh, you're probably feeling pretty good about that, right? Uh, that's my watch. And, um, and then the car there in the picture, that is a, uh, that's my car. That's a Mercedes uh, SLK. It's a little roadster. It's a hardtop convertible. And uh, it's uh, Karen and I's date car. And uh, we like to go driving around. We went out uh, a week or so ago when it was a beautiful outside, put the top down. And it was a nice fall day. We went all over the place. And uh, now, don't, don't get ahead of me here. Uh, my son has a little uh, BMW Z3 Roadster, and, uh, and so Tyler and I, we, we call our cars 1010 cars. They're 1010 cars. Maybe you know what a 1010 car is. Uh, that means uh, if you're about 10 feet away and it's going about 10 miles an hour, when it goes by, you go, oh, man, that's a really good-looking car. But when it's stopped and you kind of go up and look at it, you go, oh, I see, yeah, there's some chips in the paint, some scratches and all that kind of thing. But uh, to look at it, it looks really, really good. It's a... Uh, it's a fun to drive, and uh, my wife and I really enjoy it. And, and the motorcycle, that's my motorcycle. And uh, my dad bought that motorcycle in 1985, and when he was almost 80 years old, he finally said, well, why don't you take this motorcycle? I'm probably done uh, driving it. And, and <clears throat> my watch, well, the battery's dead. And uh, it, it doesn't work. Um, but what's interesting about that is that... Uh, 86,896 times a day, this watch is wrong. 86,896 seconds of every day, this thing is wrong. But two seconds a day, it's right, right? But the battery, the battery's dead, and so it looks really good. 
but it does not do what it was designed to do. Uh, my car, my car. Um, uh, was going to be, you know, we brought the car with us over here from central Iowa and uh, uh, needed a place to put that. And I learned, you know, Roger, he, he said, well, I've got a, I got a barn, you know, you can put it in my barn. And, and uh, so I went to get in it and bring it over here and, and <laughs> click, click, right? And so I threw jumper cables on it, and I thought, well, I'm going to be driving the thing for three hours from central Iowa over here. The battery's going to charge. And so I drove it into the barn. We parked it in the barn there. And, and uh, well, I went back to get in and uh, click, click, you know. And uh, so you, you lift up the hood, and then, you know, it's uh, back in the back there by the firewall. There's another compartment. you got to take the, the lid off of that thing, and then you'd go down in there and, had to get an extension about this big to go down to the bottom of the little compartment where the battery, you know, and take that uh, nut off of there and kind of pull that thing out and um, put had to put a new battery in it because when I got on it, or get, got in it to go somewhere, uh, you know, it looked good, <laughs> it didn't didn't do anything, right? And a motorcycle, motorcycle. I, I've been riding a motorcycle for a long, long, long time, you know, and uh, was really glad that when uh, moved here, found out, you know, Bob Gibson's got a motorcycle. And so Bob says, hey, let's go for a ride. And, um, and uh, his friend Glenn uh, went along with us. And then we were able to go another couple weeks later. We went on a, a ride, and uh, Nick came with us. And then Nick texted me with this week and said, hey, let's go. And then Bob texted me about 9.30 last night and says, Thursday, looks like that's going to be, you know, the 70-degree day. Let's go for a ride. But uh, So it's kind of fun. I like riding a motorcycle. And, um, uh, but the first time, the first time, so I come over here, and the very first ride that Bob and I get to go on, Glenn goes with us, and and we went up to Clinton, and we went there to the candlelight, and we ate uh, out there in the um, in the uh, the restaurant there, and kind of looking out over the Mississippi. And I drive back, and I pull up my driveway in Leclerc, pulling up my driveway as I'm pulling up. We went on this whole ride as I'm pulling up my driveway, but it dies. So I try to start it. Click, 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 click. What? So I had to push the bike up into the garage, and sure enough, the battery. Is absolutely is dead. It's dead. So I take the battery out. I took it in where I got it, and it's less than six months old. And they said, "Yeah, it's junk. And no water in it. Wouldn't hold a charge." Now, good news is I got a brand new battery for free. But that battery was it was junk. And so uh, whether it's a watch, you know, the watch is supposed to work, and battery. It, here's a picture of batteries can can corrode. Uh, batteries are to be this. Uh, power that kind of makes the whole thing uh, do what it's supposed to do, but when that battery that is on the inside just starts to rot and corrode. Look at this next picture. That's a, uh, that's a, a watch battery. And look at that watch. That's the back of the watch is off, and that the acid got inside of that watch, and it just began to rot and decay and tear down and disintegrate until the very reason that it was made and designed and its purpose was to be fulfilled just absolutely rotted out and absolutely decayed. Looks fine on the outside, but on the inside is dead and it's rotting. Question. (laughs) You know this. You ever think about it? Do you know that you, me, we have an outside and we have an inside. We have an outside 
and we have an inside. We have an outside that everybody can see. Some of us have a 10-10. Some of us have a (laughs) 50-50. We have an outside, and we have an inside. Ephesians chapter 3. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that's God's glorious riches, uh, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Book of Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 and 26. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Woe to you, the most religious people, Uh, the most religious people. Woe to you, most religious people, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside, they are full of greed and selfish indulgence. And Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart that's within you, for it is the wellspring, it is the power of your life. Question. How do you grow a good garden? How do you grow a good lawn? How do you grow that I had some work done on my driveway, and they came up, and they kind of tore off all the uh, grass from alongside my uh, driveway. And then the, uh, the the phone company came through, and they're putting in a brand new uh, fiber optic line. And so they had to go through, and uh, in everybody's yard, all the way along the whole uh, subdivision there, they had to cut a hole in their yard, and then they had to peel the sod out of there, and they'd kind of feed the um, the line through there, and then they'd come back and plop the sod back in there, and then you know, good luck with that, right? And then they had to come back and tend to that. And uh, the guy that came to work along my driveway, he was literally in my yard for two hours. And they took in all this uh, kind of clay out of there and they backfilled it in with just pure black dirt. And and he was there two hours feathering it into the rest of the lawn. And then he, he put seed down on that. And, and here's a picture. Check that out. That's literally, that's it right there. Black dirt, seed laying on there. And it was so cool. We just kind of kept watering and watering and all of a sudden this perfect grass just kind of jumps out of there, you know? How do you grow this good lawn? Well, it requires, it requires good seed and it requires good soil in order for that to grow. It requires good seed and it requires good soil, but guess what? That grass has an enemy. That grass has an enemy. All I want is for my whole lawn to look perfect and lush and all of those kinds of things. But there's an enemy that is there, and here is the enemy. Look at that. Weeds. Weeds. I didn't plant one single weed in my yard. None of them. I didn't plant one of them. But guess what? The weeds just showed up, and they immediately began to attack this grass that started to grow right alongside it just showed up and started its desire to choke out that which was growing in my yard. You know, we have an inside and we have an outside. And we need to tend to our lives. We need to tend to our inner power spiritual life. 
Here's what we know. We have an inside and an outside. And our outside, our physical body, our physical body, it will nag us into taking care of it, right? I mean, some of you right now, if I were to just kind of stop and we were to just be really, really quiet, maybe we would even hear somebody's body calling out to them. Okay, right? And uh, some of you, you know, a long time ago, I got up at, uh, I got up about 4.30 this morning and that's when I had breakfast. And uh, I'm kind of looking forward to a Subway sandwich that's going to be down there in the gym right as soon as I get done. And so there's an incentive, right? And, uh, and so as soon as I get done here, we're down there and uh, some of you are, you know that feeling. It's like, oh man, I haven't eaten in a while. And then your, your body, your physical body begins to cry out to you and says, feed me, take care of me. Take, I, you ever been, you know, you know mow the lawn, you're out there and it's a hot day. Man, I'm parched. Ever been, you ever been out to Arizona? I used to live out in Arizona. It's hot out there. It's dry. Oh, yeah, it's a dry heat. Yeah, it's 110. It's a dry heat. You ever been really, really, really thirsty? That's your body. Your body is just saying, you need something to drink right now. And your body doesn't let you go very long without saying, I need to, oh, man, when is he going to shut up? I want to go home because I got to take a nap, right? Your body, your body, your body will just call out to you and demand that you take care of it. But your inner being, you can starve that. You don't have to give it any good seed. You don't have to work that soil. The battery can die, and no one will even know. The question becomes, Are you alive on the inside or are you dead? Are you alive on the inside or are you dead? There are things that we have to do to stay charged. There are things that we have to do to maintain the battery. You know, if you've got a boat or a motorcycle or a car or whatever, you know, you, they sell those little trickle chargers, those little, little trickle charger. If the, if the lawnmower is going to, and it's got a battery and it's going to sit there all winter, you put the trickle charger on it so that it will maintain the battery. It constantly has to be tended to. Same with our spiritual life. What I'd like to do is talk about um, how we go about tending to our spiritual life so that it will not rot and decay. What's going to require that you surrender a couple of things? You're going to have to surrender two things in order for your spiritual life uh, to be developed. You're going to have to surrender your priorities and your schedule. Your priorities and your schedule. It's going to have to become a priority, and you're going to have to make time in your schedule. If you were here last week, we kind of put that that temptability quotient that was up there, and then we kind of put that temptability calendar up there where you can find those places where you're most vulnerable and the people that you're around and you're the most vulnerable to uh, temptation and the time of day or the day of the week when you're most uh, vulnerable. And those are the areas that we have to address and say, I need to make sure that I am rearranging my life so that the weeds don't grow and so that the power and the battery doesn't die and the rot take place. So we need to do this. We need to tend to our soil in five ways. Way number one, you've probably never heard anything like this before in your entire Christian life. We need to read our Bibles. We need to tend to our spiritual soil by reading our Bibles. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We don't think a lot about that. We don't think if I'm not putting scripture into my life, that battery is draining out. The weeds are allowed to be moved in, take over. And God gives us scripture to help us. So if we're going to be holy unto God, if we're going to be set apart unto God and be the one that God wants us to be, not just look good on the outside, for some of us we can't anymore, (laughs) but to be spiritually strong on the inside, we have to prioritize and schedule time to read our Bibles. And we have to do this, we have to be a people of prayer. We have to make time to pray. I've talked about this, and you know, lawn mowing time is kind of going away. That might turn into a raking time, and eventually it's going to turn into snow blowing time. And you find those times, and you just say, okay, my commute to work, whatever the case may be, we make time to spend time in prayer. Luke chapter 22, verse 40. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. Pray. Pray, pray to combat the temptation that we talked about last week. We got to pray about it. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think there's a prayer about that somewhere that maybe we've heard before. Pray, pray, pray. Have to enter into fellowship, Christian fellowship. It's kind of hard, maybe during a time of social distancing. My wife and I really haven't had an opportunity to invite a whole lot of people over to, to dinner like we might otherwise because we, we don't know if you'd come and we're, we'd kind of feel a little awkward asking. And it's just during this time, it's a little bit, a little bit different. But uh, as I uh, heard a guy tell me yesterday, I was at a conference over in uh, Des Moines, so pick up your phone. That Before it was ever smart, it was just a phone, right? And so it's good that we can, that we can have fellowship that way. We can call people and Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Well, I can encourage people over the phone, not necessarily being with them. I'm thankful that we get together, but maybe there's people out there that we know that we need to communicate with that way. We don't want any more corrosion. And so we need to make sure that we tend to stewardship in our life. Malachi, verse 3, verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. We give to demonstrate to God that my financial house is also a house that is surrendered to you. And you're welcome to come and open the door and walk around in it anywhere you want because that is a part of me that I surrender to you. That's why we give. We don't want the devil to get a foothold. We don't want that to become a place where we are corroded. We don't want that weed to grow in our life. And so God says, this is how you show me that you love me. You commit your life, even your wallet, to my kingdom. And we worship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, encourage one another. When we come to worship here, um, I know this is true for me. I believe it's also true for you that when you show up for worship, when you show up for worship, you are an encouragement to others. Because they look around and they go, oh, so-and-so's here. I need to go and talk to them. I haven't seen them for a while. I'm glad that they're here. 
And it's actually an encouragement to them. It's kind of like giving their weeds a little shot of Roundup, saying, uh, we want you to know that we are in this with you, and we're going to tend to this. It's a little uh, power boost to their battery, their inner being, when you participate in church. Others are encouraged when you show up. Listen to this. Our whole life is a spiritual illustration. Our whole life is. You see, we were born, and uh, when we were first born, uh, we had to be cradled, we had to be carried around, uh, we couldn't do anything for ourselves, we needed other people to take care of us and look after us and tend to us and Eventually, we grew up a little bit more and we began to uh, maybe go to school and you begin to read and you begin to take in a little bit of information uh, for yourself. You, you kind of go through puberty in there and you kind of pass from being a, a child to uh, being a, a young adult and you begin to grow and develop and mature and then eventually you become an adult and uh, hopefully there is maturity in your life and that's, uh, that's the way life works. You see, life worked out in the animal kingdom, even in, in a way in the plant uh, kingdom, you know, a Appling to a mature, and, and this, it's just, it's everywhere in front of us, and that is the example that is to take place in our spiritual life as well. That when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are born into the kingdom of God, and we need people around us to help us, and feed us, and teach us. But eventually, we are to become adults and mature so that we become a people that don't need to be reminded, but that we become engaged in the process of living life in a way in which we are mature, in which we read our Bibles and spend time in prayer, and we have the mark of maturity in the way that we fellowship with one another and give. And we have an inner being. And if we do not tend to it, it will rot us. Satan, Satan wants us to rot. Satan wants us to rot. He has schemes. He has schemes, like write this down, ignore your inner being. Pay more attention to your physical being and your physical appearance. Don't pay attention to your inner being. That's what the devil wants us to do, ignore our inner being. He wants to throw temptation at you. That's what Satan wants to do. We talk about that. A temptation, it, the devil knows what we like and the devil knows what's going to pull us away uh, from, uh, from God. And, and so you know, the devil just dangles that right there in front of us. That's what the devil wants to do. He wants to rot us out from the inside. And so God, the, devil, the devil wants us to get too busy. Satan wants us to, we're so busy. I just don't have any time to read my Bible or to spend any time in prayer. I don't have any time to do that. Hey, you want me to be spiritually mature? Well, that's going to take some time, and you don't have any idea how busy I am. I've got way too many things to do, and the devil wants us to believe that. But what our Savior wants for us is that we would grow and that we would blossom, that we would produce fruit, that we would multiply spiritually and that people would look at us and they would see the fruit of the Spirit within us. 
that they would look at us and they would say that individual is fully charged in Christ and they are running on full power in the authority of a loving Savior. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know if your battery is dead and your garden, your inner garden is full of weeds or if you're feeling fully charged. And the thing is, just by looking at one another, we don't know. We're all kind of 10-10. So I don't know where you are on the inside. So that's why we've held our communion time to the very end to allow us to do a little bit of inner work. We have communion station over here and a communion station back there and a communion station back there and the emblems are there and there's a little foil on the top and you can access the wafer and then pull back the thicker foil and access the cup and that's how we access this, but what does it mean? It means that we have a God that loves us that sent his one and only son to die on a cross and he took all of our sin and he paid the price and he says, I know your sin. I know what you deal with. I know what's going on in your world. He says, hand it to me. Give it to me. I want it. I'll take it. Don't hold it. Don't try to hide it. Give it to me. I've nailed it to the cross already. I want you to know that I can make you clean. You are clean in my sight. We need to turn that over to Jesus. We need to make a commitment to Christ. And we're not going to do life the way we've been doing it. We're going to continue to grow and mature and advance and age in our faith. And we're going to spend time in the word, in prayer, in communication and fellowship with one another. That's what communion time is for. That's why Jesus communicates. When you think about what I have done for you and you get together, these emblems represent what I have done for you and so do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to enter into now a time of communion. I'm going to say a prayer and when I say amen, uh, you can make your way to uh, those places and make your way back and I will conclude this in just a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, it's uh, it's good to be here. Good to be in uh, this place that uh, we call uh, your church. Father, this is a holy place. We set it aside and uh, we get to do business with you here. Father, we ask that uh, you would help us right now when we focus on who you are and what you have done for us, that we would lay our burdens upon you, that we would seek forgiveness, that we would recommit our life to you. Father, you're the one. We didn't know we had an enemy until you told us that we had an enemy. We didn't know what right or wrong was until you told us that, and you tell us all of that because you love us. We ask that you'll help us. We draw near you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And amen.